Welcome to Airtime, a podcast by Elevate Aviation, exploring all things aviation with a focus on the people inside the industry and their careers. Here is your host and podcast producer, Kendra Kincaid. Hello and welcome to Airtime, a webinar brought to you by Elevate Aviation. Elevate Aviation is a nonprofit organization that tries to, well, that really does encourage women to get into aviation and uh, really growing uh, to not only raise awareness, but to help provide programs to get women actually into aviation and into careers. And our guests today are also um, doing, they are doing an amazing job at getting women into aviation. And we're gonna talk about that today, what they're doing there and how fascinating it is and, uh, and how fascinating these three women are today. I can't wait to do that. Uh, as always, if you're interested in learning more about Elevate Aviation, check out our website at elevateaviation.ca. We do have a, a great master class coming up. I think we have one more spot available. Uh, it's five evenings of learning about leadership with a very small group of about 10 people. Uh, and we get together and we, um, we, through that course, we really want to give people the confidence and the skills to become leaders. Because not only do we want to get women into aviation, we want to get women into areas where they can be decision makers and influence some of the policies in aviation. So that's what that course is all about, that masterclass. So if you're interested in upping your leadership skills, you can uh, give us a shout and we can get you on that class before it is full. So today, I am very excited to introduce you to my guests. So today, we are talking about, uh, we are talking to three women from FNTI. This First Nations trio is the first all-women training crew for the Indigenous Flight School. I am very excited about the panel. Today, we have Daniela Petetti. I said it right in practice. I may have said it wrong now. Daniela, can you say it so I make sure I have it right? Yeah, it's Daniela Petiti. Petiti, okay. Uh, and we have commercial flight student Rainbow Ford and pilot examiner and uh, Northern Lights winner this year, Joanne Tabodan. Did I do it okay, Joanne? Almost, really close. I was, practic I was practicing earlier. Uh, okay, <laughs> if you're watching live, please ask questions. I mean, this is a group of women that I have a lot of questions for. And so if you have questions, please throw out any questions. Um, and so right now we're gonna jump in and we're gonna, we're gonna get to know these women. So Joanne, we're gonna start with you. So Joanne, tell us a little bit. So what's your role at FNTI? Well, I'm the Dean of Aviation and I'm responsible for the flight training unit, the approved maintenance organization, and the academic component for our advanced diploma program in aviation. Okay, so I wanna learn a little bit about you. So tell us your journey into aviation. Did you always know that you wanted to be in aviation? Like how did you end up here at this Dean of this school? No, I, uh, so I grew up in Mississauga. Uh, both my parents are from Tynanaga, where uh, we are right now. And uh, my mom worked for Canada. And we lived like a couple miles from Pearson. So um, we did a lot of traveling when my family or when we were growing up. So I thought, wow, that would be a really cool career to get into. 
So going to high school, I asked uh, guidance counselors about, you know, pursuing a career in aviation and they didn't really, um, you know, they didn't encourage me. I mean, they didn't discourage me, but they showed me a lot of, a lot of other options that I could look at. And uh, so I never really got into it because I didn't, I didn't even know a pilot to talk to. I didn't know who to ask questions. And then I had found out about this program. So happened to be my grandfather's attorney told my father because my grandfather's attorney was on the board of directors for FNTI that was launching this new aviation program for First Nations and Indigenous people. And so I enrolled and began my flight training in 1990. So that's how it all started. Wow. So it's interesting you say that about the schools because we have done a big project about you know, why women aren't looking at aviation as a career for economic security. And one of the things that we found out is that schools, the teachers don't know much about aviation and the guidance counselors don't, and they don't know where to go to get information. And so we still hear people today, uh, young women saying that their schools discourage them from getting into aviation. And uh, I know that sounds maybe a little okay right now where there's COVID, but, um, but we can talk about, we can talk about that at the end, save the COVID stuff for later. We don't want to okay. talk about that right now. We're going to pretend it's not happening for the first part of this. <laughs> um, okay, Daniela, tell us about you. So tell us about your role at the school and, and how you got into aviation. Okay, so I'm a new um, class four flight instructor. I'm brand new. I've only had a few students and how I got into aviation was through just random events that led me this way. Um, I kept running into pilots every day, whether some of them were just working um, in Calgary for Air Canada and they just pop in for blood work. I used to be in the medical field. And so I just kept running into pilots every single day. And so I kind of took that as a sign to maybe try to pursue it. I was interested when I was younger, but I didn't have the best marks. I didn't feel confident that I would be able to do that. And then one day I ran into a gentleman who kind of had had a short conversation with him and he pretty much changed my path. And I applied straight after and ended up here at FNTI. And I was really happy that my flight instructor was female. Yeah. Um, so this man, and sorry, I, I missed that. The, there, you ran into someone who gave you the confidence to apply? Tell yeah, me. so financially, it's expensive to go to flight school. And even just to get your private pilot license, just to even start. And I had looked into it a little bit in Calgary at Springbank um, Flight School there. And I looked up how much it would cost to do ground school. And I thought I could apply and just see if it, if it was something for me. Um, but this gentleman I ran into, um, I just knew he was a pilot. We talked for about five minutes. I told him that I didn't financially have enough money to apply for this intake that was starting in two weeks. And we had a short conversation about that. And then that was the end of that. And at the end of my, sh during my shift, there was an envelope left for me at the front desk and I didn't have a chance to open it until after my shift. And then when I did, there was a little note in there um, saying for ground school with a smiley face and it was $500 cash. 
And that's what I was short to apply for the intake. And so I straight home and applied that evening. Do you know, do you know him today? Like, do no, you know him? we have to find this person. No, I don't know who he is. All I know is he was a pilot and he stopped in for some routine cat one medical stuff. <laughs> do you know anything? What company he worked for? I know nothing. He didn't even, he was wearing civilian clothes. So I don't know if he worked for an airline. I got the vibe that he was a bush pilot or cargo. Like that was the vibe now that I know about it and the way he was speaking. I think he might not, might've been one of those pilots who flew in the North and had a stopover in Calgary or something. I'm not quite sure. But I do know his first name was David. David, we've got a David. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, if anyone's watching this, uh, you know, and later in the recording, if anyone's watching this and knows a David, <laughs> how can we narrow this down? A pilot who's a David who went and got, what did he, he get some blood work? He got his medical, his blood work done it. Um, yeah, he was getting medical stuff done. Mm -hmm. You and know what year? What year was this? Um, so it would have been when I was 28 and I'm 36 now. Oh, I don't know. You know, I'm not the greatest at math. <laughs> Anyone knows a David Pilot, ask them if he's this guy. Okay. We're maybe, who knows? Maybe, maybe we will find this man. Wouldn't that be fun to find him? Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find him. I always talk about him on anything that I'm doing, and I still haven't heard from him. <laughs> what a story. Wow. How old was he? Someone just asked. Barbara is asking, how old was he then? I would say he was probably in his 40s. Okay. Yeah. Caucasian male in his 40s. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know what? Aviation is small, mm -hmm. right? It's a small community. So mm -hmm. we're, uh, we're Barbara, Barbara, if you can find this man, we'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. I, I seriously hope that you find him. I hope we find him for you and can and like match. Oh, so do I. This is this is the big mystery. It's always been the mystery in all of our interviews and and uh, articles that Danielle has been in. So he's out there. Changed the whole trajectory of of where she is. Changed your life. Yeah, I always think of him as my Earth Angel. We need to find Earth Angel David. <laughs> Barbara said, okay, Barbara's on it. Barbara's going to find right. Earth, Earth Angel David. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Okay. I sure hope we find this. So um, I'm going to mark, we're going to talk about mentorship and, and, uh, and making a difference in people's lives in a moment, but we have to talk to Rainbow first, get Rainbow in this conversation. Rainbow, may I say you may have the best name I've ever heard. Hey, a little bit different. <laughs> I have to ask, is, is, is this a nickname or is this your name, Rainbow? No, that's, that's my name. Oh my goodness. I love, yeah. what a, I want to be called Rainbow. What a beautiful name. See, wow. with a name like that, how could I not end up a pilot? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, Long and, in the sky. It's, okay, so how did you get into aviation? Because you're the, you're the student. Um, so tell us about where you are as a student right now, and then how, how did this lady named Rainbow get into aviation? Okay, well, I'm currently just trying to wrap up uh, my FNTI career. 
I am doing the written exams and I have the flying to do for my IFR and multi ratings and then I'll be done. So I'm hoping by the end of the summer, I'll be finished everything. That's the goal and the plan. Okay. As far as getting into aviation, I've always wanted to fly. I've always loved flying. I grew up in a canyon, which is mountains, both sides and straight up and not a lot of sky to see. But lucky for me, I the patch of sky that we do have where I grew up is right underneath um, one of the flight paths for the big jet airliners. So I always saw planes growing up, see them go overhead all of the time. And I just always remember looking up and saying, I want to do that one day. I want to fly, see the world and not be stuck on the ground. And I don't really know what was the driving force there. I just have always wanted to be in the air. So when I was in high school, I found a school that I wanted to go to and I actually got my private license in California straight out of high school. I think I was 17 when I did that. And then like Daniela said, it's expensive, it's pricey. So with uh, all of that, I didn't end up going back because California from where I lived at the time was a 19 hour drive, which was just uh, so far. And now I live 52 hours driving away from where I live to, to get to Ontario. So, I mean, it's, it's a little further now, but I'm a little older, so it's easier to handle. Anyways, um, I was randomly looking for flight schools, not like flight scholarships uh, a couple of years ago now. And I put in the Google bar, I remember very distinctly, um, aviation scholarships in Alberta. That's what I stuck in. And I didn't look at anything. I clicked on the first one and filled out the application and sent it in. And it turned out to be like a pre-application kind of a just showing interest in a program. And I hadn't read it thoroughly enough to know that, but I did that. And then I got an email back confirming that they had received that. And I looked at it and I actually read the whole thing through and it said Ontario. And I was like, oh, well, the heck with that. I'm never going to get accepted because I thought it was for a scholarship. So I was like, I'm never going to get that. And I just didn't even think twice about it. And I think a couple of weeks later, I got an email from this lady called Joanne. And she's like, are you still interested in our program? Are you, are you going to finish the application or what? And I was like, I, I didn't think I would get in because I'm not from Ontario. And so she was quick to assure me that no, no, they take students from across the country and it didn't matter where I was from. So 13 years after getting my license the first time round, Joanne talked me into going back. It wasn't the hardest thing she ever did, I'm sure, because <laughs> I, I was a pretty easy sell. So yeah, Joanne is the reason I'm back, for sure. Joanne, you're David. <laughs> She's my David. True. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, you know, I always say women supporting women is so important and look what Joanne did mm -hmm. for you, but you know, uh, you know, men supporting women, everyone supporting everyone is, is so important, right? Like, like just, oh, these stories already, like, you know, what David did for Daniela and what Joanne did for you is, 
makes a difference, right? Like having someone to give you that little support or push or encouragement. Yeah, it does. And aviation's a really small industry. I know everyone's like, there's so many pilots everywhere, but it helps when you have other pilots show an interest in you, not just an interest, but show faith in you that you actually have what it takes to do what you're dreaming of doing. So to have people look at you and be like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll back you. I'll support you. That's huge, especially when it's other pilots. Wow. So why was it important to you? I read that um, you said something about um, when I found out that the chief flight instructor was a woman, I was so excited uh, because until then I hadn't, I'd never known another female pilot. Why do you think that mattered to you that there was a female and then you found out, you know, and Joanne as well, like, why do you think, why did that make you happy? I think just because my family will laugh at this, but I'm the only girl in my family and our family's massive. So for me to be the only girl doing something is not new. It's, it's something I've always had to do. And so for me to actually meet not just one woman, she's not just another pilot. She's the pilot in charge of everything that's going on there. And one of the few pilots that I knew at that time. And so I actually got thinking about it after the fact and I met one woman pilot before Joanne. So Joanne's actually the second, but even still to have gone for so many years and never met a woman who does what I've dreamt of doing my entire life. It's just super encouraging to know that there are women out there like me who have come from a similar background and who have dreams that are similar. Like it just, it's, it's very unusual. And so that makes it that much more exciting, I think, because mm -hmm. it just helps you know that your dreams are possible and you can do it because someone's done it before and it's not unattainable. See, that's a great example, a real life example of why we all say, and I know everyone on this, call knows of why representation matters right there right there how many brothers do you have i have five brothers wow and where were you in this rank um i'm fourth you're fourth wow fourth. crazy yeah fourth. um daniela how does it feel to be a role model i know you know joanne is and she's been for for a long time and and she's an icon in our industry and what she's doing um how's it feel for you to to be a role model well i remember when joanne first called me to do an article after i had graduated i was a little bit trying to say no and joanne's like you know you need to inspire and i started thinking about it and i realized yeah maybe you know some little girl somewhere will read this or here and so i did it and then i realized it's actually kind of enjoyable like to know that maybe some little girl somewhere or boy will hear that me talking in one of my articles about how i wasn't the best student but i still went for it I didn't have the best grades, but I was still able to achieve all this with determination and just studying, motivation, support system. So I think it's really good because I know somebody somewhere is listening to us and probably going to be applying right away. 
You know, okay, we need to talk about that for a minute because I'm saying all the time that maybe when we say you have to be good at math, um, it might discourage some women from applying. Now, if you're great at math and you have a physics degree and you're, you know, all this stuff, that's wonderful. And we don't want to discourage anyone from taking STEM subjects. Like, of course, we want to encourage people to do that. However, there are some women out there who consider themselves not great at math. And, you know, I say this about air traffic control all the time. Like, you know, creativity is a huge part of air traffic control when you, you know, you're, you have the airplanes going around the sky and you're trying to figure out what order they're in and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I love that you hit on that. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like, do you, what do you say to, to girls who are, and young women who might be wanting to get into aviation, but they think that they're not smart enough? Okay, so that would fit into that category for sure. Um, so much so that I didn't even apply until my 30s. Um, so it was too, I was insecure about that. I thought I'm not good enough, all that stuff, all that kind of thinking. Um, but then I just still went for it. I remember writing somebody at FNTI and I said, well, you know, my math, I graduated in summer school because of math. You know, I had to do math over again to graduate. And I remember calling or emailing somebody at FNTI saying, do I need to upgrade my math because I have literally a 51. And she said, no, just apply and submit that right away. And we'll see, we'll work with you. And if you have to redo some of it, then when you get here, we can do that for you. Um, I ended up not having to. I did have all the classes are very small here, so we really supported each other. I had a great classmate, Brendan, who's actually an instructor here. Um, when I was struggling in the math area, he would just sit down with me and go over it slowly. And so that I was able, you know, because sometimes your instructor can't sit with you for two hours to finish an assignment, but um, you can rely on other classmates to help you bump you back up so that you can, you know, succeed. And so it doesn't matter, I, grades or not, determination and motivation and your support system, and that's all you need. That's so great. Joanne, can you add on to that from, from your point of view? Because I know you must see a lot of students come in. Can you, can you add on the importance of, of education and, and, all, and success and how they relate? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, education is important straight off the bat, right? Because it just it, um, opens your horizons. However, when it comes to something like, you know, math or physics, and even if you're not a strong student, I find with pilots, um, since everybody's more hands-on, that once you have that practical application, if I'm flying and you need to know whether you have enough fuel to get to your destination, then you're really good at math. <laughs> so when you have that practical application, it's, it's, um, it's much easier to succeed but also what Danielle had talked about with uh, support systems, you know, here we have, you know, a very cooperative learning environment, not competitive. So we don't, you know, weed out students that don't do well. You know, we don't take in a hundred and only graduate 20. You know, we don't, we don't do that. We want to make sure that you are successful coming into the program. Uh, we don't just look at grades, you know, we look at the whole picture, you know, where are you from? Where'd you go to school? You know, what are you interested in doing? Do you want to work in your community? You know, do you want to be a role model? What, you know, what's, 
what's it like for you? You know, what would you want to do? Because it's, it's really hard to, um, because there's so many are uh, diverse educational backgrounds to say you have to hit this mark because, you know, living in one area, you know, getting a 60%, maybe close to going to prep school and getting, you know, 95%. So it's really hard to gauge that way. And that's why we do have, we do offer a lot of support here at the school, in addition to creating that environment where students help each other, you know, very similar to what, what Daniela was talking about with her, um, with her schoolmate. Is there something that you do that's different from let's call other schools to encourage that support between the students, or is it just something that happens naturally with the students? When you when you start creating an environment of inclusivity, and I know it's a real loose term, and people use that all the time, you know, oh, let's have an inclusive environment. But like when you create that and you maintain that. Um, and you build off that, those outcomes are all, those results are all natural. You know, students naturally cooperate. You know, people naturally communicate. Uh, people naturally are respectful of each other. And it's, it's just maintaining that environment uh, that, that builds the momentum to continue with the program. Can you give us an example? Because I know there's probably people out there going, I'm trying to make this inclusive environment, but it it's hard. How do, how, how do you do it? Like, is there an example of something that, that you guys do there that, that really encourages this wonderful environment? Well, there's, there's a lot of things that we do to um, encourage that. One is, you know, one is just to, you know, celebrate achievements. You know, like Daniela said, you know, when she, and in which you raised Kendra, which you have on your, um, which elevates all about is a raising awareness, you know, awareness of, um, you know, aviation and careers in aviation. But when you see yourself in these roles, then it's more achievable. And, and then when students come here, then I know, you know, coming through the door, you know, that they're going to go out the door with, you know, all of this great knowledge and opportunity. Like I just, I just see that as they come in and then just being able to maintain that while they're here. And it's really, it's simple. It's just through cooperation, cooperation and, and respect for one another. Rainbow, how do you feel from a student being in this school? Like, it, you know, I know the school is, is a different school from, from other schools. And how, how, how has your experience been? You have to say something good because Joanne's on here, but you know. I, I, I absolutely can. Um, my situation is a little bit different because I, I've been in that university where it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a prep school, but the, the university where it's very hard academics and they, they push, push on, on the grades level of things. And for me, it was really hard to keep up with that. And I've, always kind of struggled with the books a little bit so the the book work and reading and retention that kind of stuff that is a struggle for me it always has been and so what Joanne said about the hands-on experience of things FNTI is different in that 
they'll really work with you. If you're struggling, someone is there to help. The instructors are, are there to help. If you need something, you can go and talk to one of them. There's always someone available. And similarly with the classes, when I started, um, I was, I had done most of the stuff before because I came in with a license already, but a lot of it was just, I didn't know how to do something. So I would ask one of the, one of the kids from the class above me. And it kind of just got into a situation where when I knew they were studying, I would study at the same time for that if I had a question, I could ask. And most of them are of the opinion that if they can teach it, then it helps them understand even more. And so actually two of the guys I studied with the most are instructors at the school now. So they're, very good at explaining and they're going to be good instructors and I know that because they put up with all my questions and and stuff on the side but it's when you're in a school as small as ours is like our class I think there's only seven or eight of us and the class that graduated before us I think there was only five or six of them so our our class sizes are small the numbers are small and when there's that few people you just you learn to rely on each other for, for information. And when you study together, you learn together and you can kind of pick up on things that you wouldn't have got otherwise. Because if you're only ever studying by yourself, then you're gonna struggle in areas. Whereas if you're working with someone else, the things that you struggle with, they might not. And so it's nice to have that kind of buddy system. And even with the instructors, like Daniela is, is always available. She says it over and over again. She's like, if you ever need help, just send me a text, let me know, I'll help you. And they're, that's not just Daniela, like our instructors are, you can shoot them a message and they'll get back to you. They'll maybe not give you the answer. Most of them are pretty good about that, but they'll shoot you in the right direction of where you can find the answer. And that's something that the bigger size schools don't have that flexibility because they're dealing with larger numbers of students and it's just it's just different. FNTI is small and it's more a family feel than uh, than a big corporate school feel. So love that. Daniela Barbara is asking a question. She's saying, is it true that you need 2020 vision? Uh, or can you just get eye laser? Well, I we have pilots that have glasses. Actually, Rainbow wears glasses. Joanne, yeah, I forgot, glasses. I forgot to put them on this morning. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so you don't need 2020 vision to be a pilot. No. Okay. Okay. There's your answer, Barbara. Thanks for asking that. Um, Joanne, can you tell us a little bit more about the school, like? Um, do you have uh, living arrangements there? Yeah, so here at the school, we have a residence. Actually, I can see it from my window. Taxiway is right here and the residence is like right here. So we normally have an occupancy of 28, but that's been reduced due to COVID, which, you know, there's a lot of other challenges that come along with COVID. So it's very uh, convenient for students that come from across the country where they'll arrive, they live right here in the residence, they can walk to school. We have 
Uh, when we talk about support, like it's not just academic support, it's also uh, we have student success facilitators that help the students, you know, take them grocery shopping. Uh, they go on um, activities, do cultural events. Oh no, they we've they're they work with us. They're all part of the crew. So the student success facilitators, cultural advisors, um, and then we have our our guys in the AMO as well that they also you know work with the students. So yeah, going back to the residents right here, they have their own rooms. There's a shared kitchen area, and um, they, we have like a great deck and a fire pit and everything outside too. So it's it's almost like a you know a home away from home. We're trying to make it, or I like to you know, think of us as a community within a community. Now, it, it's, is it all Indigenous, all the students and all the instructors? Everyone is Indigenous at this school? Not everybody. So the school is for, all of our learners are Indigenous. So First Nations, Métis, and Inuit from across Canada. Some of our flight instructors are Indigenous. Uh, some of our academic staff are Indigenous, but, um, but definitely our learners are all Indigenous. Okay, so, and where are you located? So we're located on the Time Danaga Mohawk Territory, which is about two hours east of Toronto. Okay, so Daniela, you said you're a new instructor, right? So what is your plan for the future? Are you gonna stay, well, maybe you don't wanna talk about this in front of Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's gonna stay for a long time. <laughs> So I'm not even sure, like my goal was just to learn to fly and complete flight school. I didn't have any other ideas besides I knew I wanted to do um, float flying. I did get the opportunity to come back here and I just knew that since I was so successful doing the flight program here that I would be successful doing the instructor rating here. And I just really love the Bay of Quinty. I'm from Northern Saskatchewan and it's freezing there. The summers here are gorgeous. The winters are even better. So I think I might be here for a little bit longer. Uh, I'm kind of just go with the flow. Wherever the doors open, that's where I'll go through them. Wow, okay. Um, let's talk about, I wanna shift gears just a little bit. So we have a learning center out here in Edmonton, and one of the things that we, we do is a week-long program where we bring students, like grade six, high school, junior high, and some, some uh, adult, some women. Um, the students are all co-ed, and we bring these students in, uh, not all the same age groups at the same time, so a week is for a certain age group, and we bring them in, and, and they get to play with drones. Canadian North turns their 737 into an escape room and they learn about the structure of the aircraft. They get to learn about air traffic control and the military. So it's like a, a, a week long program of awareness. One of the problems that we're having, and I know that this is, this is you know, something that a lot of people are trying to figure out how to, how to change this is we want more indigenous people to come through our program, but we find it hard to, to, to get the Indigenous community to come into, out to the airport and come in through the program. What can people do better to encourage Indigenous people to come out and learn about aviation? And, and that's for anyone who wants to answer or all three of you. Like, what can we do better as society to work with the Indigenous community and, and really try to get um, 
not just women, but you know, the, the men and women into aviation. Cause I don't know what the percentage is. Does anyone know the percentage of indigenous people in aviation? Oh, aviation? No. So if you look at it this way, indigenous people make up about 4% of the population, like 4%. And it's about 50, 50, you know, the gender split. Um, and then that percentage of women in aviation, well, it's got to be a lot lower than that. That's why, you know, with, with our program, you know, even having 40% women, but 40% indigenous women, I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to compare that to anything else. No, it's incredible. Like great job, what you're doing there. Um, so what, what can we do that can try to help get more people into aviation? Well, I just read that one comment about um, tuition costs, right? So tuition costs go back to opportunity, right? Opportunities, creating opportunities for directing people, making people more aware of um, opportunities to, you know, to come to school. Like Daniela had that great opportunity for, for school. That, that was just that was amazing, but, you know, but it shouldn't be, you know, just looking for these, oh, geez, I hope this happens for me, like having uh, better awareness and like Barbara says, creating partnerships with different agencies for tuition costs. I think that's a great idea, but just making it aware, being aware of it and also knowing people in the business, you know, people, the mentorship is so important. You know, the role models are so important because they need to, you know, as an indigenous population we need to see that we're out there you know that we're out there and you know that that we've done it and then build from there yeah yeah and 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 that's a great comment that barb's made there about the partnerships um kimberly says something here she says so proud of you all and to be part of the aviation crew um i'd love to see you all in your faces your flight dispatcher here <laughs> i'm pretty sure you made aviation history on turtle island hmm. What is she referring to there? Go ahead, Daniela. <laughs> Cake? Do we change this? <laughs> so Turtle Island is Canada or North America. Um, that's what it used to be called before we were colonized. Some nations do call it Turtle Island still. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much a reference to Canada. Well, that's great. I feel like I should have known that now. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kimberly, for that. Um, right on. Okay. So let's just um, talk about empowering uh, other women on that subject still. Um, I really just want to go back one more time to the confidence. Uh, so we talked about like the education and we touched on the confidence, you know, of coming in. What do you guys say to people who, you know, they're, they're like just to go back to there really are people who believe that they are not good enough to do this um i had a conversation with a young man last week who is now uh taking his flight instructor rating and he said that he didn't get into this because he didn't think he was smart enough to do this and and didn't think that he had the confidence to do this so what would you really say to people who might be considering looking at this but are, are too afraid to take that step what what if they're watching this, what, what do you want to tell them right now? You surround yourself with good 
supportive people. Because generally, when you're underconfident, it's because people have told you that, you know, and those are the people that you're probably around all the time. You know, if you surround yourself with great people, great things happen. And if you don't know great people around you, especially now, Kendra, with Elevate Aviation, you know, Canadian Women in Aviation, Northern Lights, there's such a vast network. And I know we always talk about, you know, aviation is a small community, but women in aviation is a huge community, huge community. The 99s too, yep. Yeah, the 99s, there's just so, there's so many, um, there's so many opportunities for us now. And, but to engage and to support and yeah, surround yourself with great people. Wow. You know why? I just want to, I just want to say that again. Like if, if you're watching this or listening to it on a podcast and you are not surrounded by good people there, after you hear this, now that you've heard Joanne, there is absolutely no excuse to continue on that path, right? Like yeah. Yeah, reach out to reach out to other organizations, uh, reach out to Joanne's school here. Uh, you can reach out to, oh yeah, there's so many people and the people are passionate and want to help, right? Mm -hmm. Like Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things I've noticed the most is if you have even a little bit of passion for flying, people who love flying see that and want to help you. Like there's so many people that just, they want to pay it forward because someone back in the day did something like Daniela, someone did something for them and they want to pay it forward. And so when they see how passionate you are about something, they're like, Hey, we can do this. Let's, let's do this. And there's tons of even groups on Facebook that are really good at women, empowering women, flight training and all of that. There's so many groups that are just excellent that if you need support for stuff like this, even if it's just to have someone to vent to and be like, I don't know how to do this. What do I do? Like, there's so much support out there. Daniela, what can you say um, actually like being a pilot, like why would someone want to be a pilot? Because I know that there's reasons that women think I don't want to be a pilot because I'm going to have a family. Uh, it's expensive. Like we can talk about that, but why, why should someone want to be a pilot? Um, I think for myself, um, I wanted to do this because it's every day is different. Every day is challenging. I didn't want one of those jobs where I wake up and it's nine to five and I'm going in making all the same movements, saying all the same things, um, having the same scenarios. Um, in aviation, every day is different. The weather is going to be different every day. You're going to have, you're encountering different people, different airports. Um, it's just every day is a new day and it's always changing. I can't say yesterday was the same as the day before or the week before. Um, it's just really beautiful to be up there once you get going and especially once you're alone. <laughs> That's when it becomes really fun because you just can't even believe it. Like I remember my first solo flight really well and in my mind I was so nervous I imagined my my instructor beside me, I imagined she was sitting there, Allison, and that she was telling me, you know, what she would say on my flights. And I could just hear her and to look over and see an empty seat, it was kind of shocking. And then I thought, okay, I can do this. I know what I'm doing. And 
yeah. So it's just amazing every single day. Um, every day is a new day. I remember when I qualified as an air traffic controller, uh, after all that training, oh, it was so hard. And I remember the first time the other, there was no one else there. Like we were just down to one sector and, and the last guy left and I was sitting there by myself and I was like, are they sure they want to do this? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm alone. I totally understand that feeling. Yeah. And, and you feel so empowered, right? Would you agree? Yeah. Like when, and then you think, wow, I did it. I can keep doing it. And every day I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Joanne, for you, like you're, you're so accomplished and you, you've, you've helped so many people, uh, you know, two of them are right here. Um, like, what can you say to other people who want to be in your shoes, who want to be a leader? Um, you know, what's the, what's the number one thing people can do right now that maybe want to be a dean of a school and want to, want to get to a place where they're empowering other women? Um, what's, how do they do that? What do they, you know, is it just one step at a time? Is it courses they can take? What do you recommend? Oh, dear. Um, I don't know, actually. It's number one, have passion. Have passion for what you want to do. Uh, do it like it's your job. A wise person once said that to me, who's actually the president of our, of FNTI, uh, Suzanne Brandt. And uh, yeah, just, just do it, you know, like it's your job, not somebody else's, you know, and, um, and, and it really works because that way it like extends your vision um, and your capacity. I get lots of experience, you know, in everyday experience and, you know, to be a, to be a good leader is, you know, you're a good leader when you see the people that work with you, you know, when you, when you see the outcome of, of, you know, all the effort, then that's, that's when you know that you're doing an okay job is when everybody's, when everybody's um, contributing and it's not just one idea, it's like everybody together. So that's why, um, yeah, just keep working at it. <laughs> Does it make you feel proud or fulfilled when you look at like Daniela and Rainbow and, and other women that you've helped and other people that oh you've helped? Oh gosh, I, you know, I just, I think it's just absolutely amazing. I reached out a few years or not a few years ago, even just a few months ago asking students to do like these uh, alumni to do some video clips for our 35th anniversary. And I'm just so proud because I remember when they first walked through the door. I remember when they did their first solo. I remember when they were nervous and thinking maybe that they couldn't do that. And, and to see them flying medevacs and flying into remote communities and flying for airlines and flight instructing. And I mean, even with Daniela, she graduated and went home and I called her and I had her come back <laughs> so we could train her to be a flight instructor because you need, you know, you just need to build that, you know, you need to build that crew of, of like-minded people in order to, you know, accomplish accomplish a goal. And, and I think we've really done that here. And, you know, I look back to when I started and I was the only, um, yeah, I was the only female and like it, it, it sucked really. Cause I didn't have that companionship. I did have, um, a flight instructor who really, really pushed me and encouraged me, uh, Bruce Tonner. And that's why I wanted to be a flight instructor because that was never on my radar. I'm like, wow, 
I want to make people feel like he made me feel like that was just amazing. Because in this industry um, now and probably, well, for sure in the past was there's always these assumptions that uh, women don't belong. You know, women don't belong in aviation because there wasn't very many of them. Women don't belong because there's, you know, they, they can't do the same thing. So back then I always had to feel like I had to work harder. I had to get the best marks. I had to get the best marks and flight tests. I had to do that just to feel like I fit in. And I don't want anybody to feel like that. You know, I want everybody to work hard for themselves. You know, and that's it. Not to prove to somebody else that, that they're wrong. So, and I, and, and we're getting there, you know, we're getting there. I think we're doing it. And I think a lot of people can, uh, you know, kind of learn from, from, from how we do things and how our students and instructors and alumni conduct themselves. Joanne, do you have anything left to prove? Oh yeah. I need new runways. <laughs> we have 1942 infrastructure. I have, uh, yeah, we like transportation is just, for lack of a better word, like taking off. So we want to expand the program. We want to expand the program into different areas. Um, our past training, you know, remote pilot um, aircraft systems, uh, AME program. So we're just going to get bigger and, and broader. What and do you need to do that? <laughs> Did you say, what do I eat? What do you need? What like oh. what? <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say, like is it government support? Is it industry support? Is it uh, you know? We have Erica Fuhr says. By the way, do you know Erica? Oh yes, I know Erica. Hi, Erica. Yeah, she says so much powerful and positive energy coming from this conversation today. Uh, she says hi, and uh, you know, I know you know she is uh, big on. Uh, I know you know she's big on this conversation as well, and and. She also wants to see you succeed and grow. I, I can say that for you, Erica. I know that's true. Um, so like, what do you need? Is there anything we can do? Is there anything, like, what do you need? Do you need uh, oh. just to start rallying and? Yep. We need, yeah, we need uh, contributions. We need uh, infrastructure. We need, that's the type of support that we need here in order to continue growing. And we just, we want to build on the strength of what we built all these years. We wanna go with the momentum and um, we owe it to our, our communities and our people. And like I said, although we have, you know, a high percentage of uh, female indigenous pilots in the program, you know, all of our people are underrepresented. So we just wanna create more opportunities yeah. that reflects communities needs. Mm -hmm. Well, well, I can't wait till COVID is over so I can get out there and come and visit yes. and see this in person. Um, let's talk about COVID just for a second. Uh, so Rainbow, Daniela, uh, COVID and your future, any mm. concerns there? Or are you thinking it's gonna be high demand here shortly? It has to pick back up. There, it can't, it can't, it'll pick back up. It might take a few years, but it'll get there. And my goal has never been hardcore. I'm going airlines for sure, for sure. I'm more, uh, I'll go where the doors open. I'll go where I find a job. If someone wants to hire me, I just want to fly. That's been 
my attitude since day one. I want to fly. If I can find someone crazy enough to pay me to fly, then I'll love it. That's, that's it for me. <laughs> Uh, and Danielle, how about you? What do you think COVID, uh, what's the future look like for pilots? Um, well, there's no other way to get around. So they're going to have to use us. I'm not sure what they think they, you know, they can shut down everything all they want, but the people are still going to need the product. They're still going to need to be moved from here to there. You know, we can't get an ambulance driving here, there you know, groceries, all that stuff in the north, like no matter what, there's going to be somebody in the air. And there'll always be somebody flying. Yeah, and vacation, I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't want to spend another winter in Edmonton, Alberta. No offense, Edmonton, Alberta, but (laughs) cold there. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a good one. We've only had about three weeks of bad weather this year, but uh, still, still ready for vacation for sure. Yeah. I mean, would you guys say that um, now is actually a good time to train for a pilot? Absolutely. You know, the, the industry will rebound and it'll, you know, may take a couple of years, but this is the perfect opportunity to get into aviation because in a couple of years, then the, the industry will, I don't know if it'll be back completely, obviously, but it'll be rebounding from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a friend who was doing his training right around the 9-11 and he said this this feels really similar it'll it feels rough right now but it'll rebound it'll pick back up and it'll be better than ever after yeah you know when I when I sit in front of my radar screen right now I work Edmonton terminal and uh, a lot of times there's no airplanes like sometimes we have some airplanes but a lot of times there's no airplanes and to me it represents crushed dreams you know people who want to be out there traveling and flying and visiting their family and I just can't wait for it to start again and just get to get people back out there living their dreams and and whatever else people do flying business-wise and everything else but you know just allowing people to dream again and travel and fly and and uh, meet people and I'm so excited about the the return of our industry and it's going to be great I I believe it and I believe that there's going to be vast openings and people are we all know there's huge shortage that was in aviation before and um, mm-hmm. I, I I mean my personal belief is we're going to be there and probably worse uh, wanting pilots so please if you're thinking about being a pilot and you're watching this um, listen to these women like take that step and, and just just go for it and and reach out to any of these organizations that we've mentioned um, including uh, this school and including Elevate Aviation. I just want to read a couple of comments before we finish up. Um, Victoria, she says, I'm in Edmonton. Hi, Victoria. Uh, I love the sunshine. Yes, Edmonton does have a lot. <laughs> and I love the sunshine too. Uh, if, if you're here, Victoria's here today and it's a beautiful sunny day out there. And I think it's above zero. I haven't looked, I think it's above zero. I thought Elevate Aviation was started here. Yes, it was. It's definitely started here in Edmonton, Alberta. Thank you for that, Victoria. Uh, Connect with us if you are in, if you're interested in becoming an aviation or if you're in aviation, please connect. Um, Victoria also says, you are all inspiring as women and as First Nations women. It is so refreshing to hear women talk about how they have been helped and, and have helped others in return. It's amazing. Uh, Perry. Hi, Perry. Perry's a regular with us and we love Perry. I just finished reading your story in the Canadian Aviator March-April issue. Very inspiring. No question, just a comment to keep up your excellent work in aviation. 
And mm -hmm. uh, Barbara just mentions a funding advice, always visit an Aboriginal employment counselor. So um, that's some great advice there. So if, if uh, you're Indigenous, um, please, please reach out. We will, we'll put you in, in um, if you want to reach out to Elevate, we'll put you in touch with Joanne or, or Joanne, how do people find you? Well, our website is fnti.net. Um, we have a great website. It'll direct you to aviation or to recruitment, or we have a lot of support there as well. Uh, registrar's office, or yeah, they can just find me direct right off of the website. Okay, right on. Well, you know what? You three have been so amazing. Thank you so much for spending your time here with us today so we could have this conversation. Um, I've learned some stuff here today and I am excited about learning more. And uh, Joanne, we've already spoken. I'm gonna try to figure out how we can partner in our, our, uh, our organization so we can get some more people to you uh, from here in Alberta, which I know would, they would benefit greatly from going down into your school and, and with the amazing people that you have there. So thank you guys so much for being here. Really awesome. Thanks for having us, Kendra. Thank no you for having us. No problem. Stay in touch, everybody. And uh, thank you for watching. And you can find us at elevateaviation.ca. You can see a replay of this or we have a podcast. And um, thank you so much. If you, as always, if you want to be a mentor or you're looking for a mentor in aviation, contact us at info at elevateaviation.ca. However we can help, we are there for you. And thanks for joining us. Okay, have a wonderful day, everybody.